Well, is everybody ready to get started? Everybody ready? Okay. Uh, Fred, would you pray us in this evening? Yeah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank thee for this time that we can come uh, Sunday evening, study your precious word, learn things that perhaps maybe we don't think too much about. We just ask, Lord, that you fill us and help us have the desire to learn. Because that's one thing that sometimes I have a problem with, is learning. So help me to learn and help everybody else that has that problem. And we just ask the Lord to be with our teachers, give him the things that he needs to uh, enlighten us with what he wants to show us this evening. So thank you for your love and just guide and direct the, the, the meeting tonight. In Jesus' precious name I ask. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to continue in Galatians 5, and we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm just going to be walking through that, um, picking up where we left off. So I thought we would just get started with reading uh, those verses again. So it'd be Galatians 5, verses uh, 22 and 23. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And last week we ended, um, we just got started on long-suffering, so I'm just going to back up to that a little bit and talk about that, and then we'll start running through some scriptures. Um, Yeah, Galatians 5, 22, yeah. I just want to comment. That, oh yes, sir. That, that, you know, when, when you talk about patience, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think patience sounds nice that Vicky's patient with me, but but saying uh-huh. Vicky is long suffering with me, I don't know that that word doesn't have the same. <laughs> it, it feels a little different, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Give you give it some time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it does feel a little different, doesn't it? Um, you deserve anything you get. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. <laughs> so, That's his experience talking. Uh, long-suffering appears in 17 verses and 17 times in the King James Bible. And from the dictionary definition, it says that it's bearing injuries or provocation for a long time, patient, not easily provoked. This type of long-suffering can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. So last week we looked at 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 to 6. I'll go ahead and read that. It says, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. That's quite the list. Quite the list. Let's take a look at um, 2 Timothy uh, 2, verses 1 to 3. If somebody would like to read that for us. Second Timothy two verses one to three. Would you like to read that for us, Anne? Two, one to three. Yes, ma'am. 
Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. We shall also be able to teach others also. Uh, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yep. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's an interesting phrasing when you think of long suffering. Um, we don't have any. You know? Yep. Very rare that we run into that type of hardness. Hardness, yeah. But it's. I brought this letter. Um, this is from my little brother um, in 1999. He was in Kosovo at the time. It was a few months before my wife and I got married. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to read it to you. There's quite a bit of personal things in here. But there's some interesting statements in here. Um, he is 19 years old at the time. So really a kid, right? And most of us don't really know what was going on in Kosovo. We know somewhat what we were being told. But I can promise you from what is in this letter, it's quite different than what we were told through the news outlets. Not all that surprising. But there's some incidents that happened in, in, that he spoke about in here um, that as a soldier, you know, this idea of being kind and gentle and long-suffering, how do you do that and be a soldier? It seems antithetical, really. But... When you know what your position is or your standing is and know who's in charge of things and what you can and can't do, it really kind of settles a lot of the, the, um, the concerns, if you will, and the questions are answered. So he speaks of a moment where they're at a um, – so he was a CB in the Navy, and, this, and the CBs were in charge of running the um, – as, as, as I recall, they ran basically – um, a convoy for reinforcements of food and different things like that to the people. But they were constantly being shot at by the Serbians and things of that nature at the time, snipers, etc. So they were running Hummers at the front and the back of the convoy and going kind of around it as it went down the road. And it, would, it was miles of this. And they would set up different checkpoints. So they were at a certain checkpoint and this car came up, and there was about 10 or, 10 or 15 young people in the car, and there was about 20 to 25 elderly people standing at the checkpoint talking to the soldiers. The kids in the car started throwing rocks and yelling things at the old people because they were of different nationalities. So at that moment, as a soldier, they're all wearing hardware, right? I mean, they're armed. But they don't return with that as far as dealing with it they decide they pick up rocks and throw rocks back at the kids to run them off. And then they, as, as the car goes down the road, one of the kids yells something. They tell them to stop and they have a conversation with the, with the kid in the car who's driving. And they said, if you want our help, you need to not be doing these kinds of things. So I thought that was an interesting picture of, you know, the strength that could have been brought to the situation but yet it was controlled, right? It was dealt with and handled properly. And I think as a soldier in Christ, we need to learn that 
we can be confident and stand in certain situations and speak against things that are going on. And that's going to be okay. God will look at that and say, that's fine. It doesn't mean that we take things into our own hands. I'm not certainly not advocating that. But I think we live in a time right now where, as Christians, we just don't even engage. We, like, we don't even do anything. And so evil is able to move into these areas where in the past it wouldn't have gotten as far as it does or it has. So um, I know certainly in my lifetime I can speak to the things that I see right now. There's no way my teachers would have put up with it back then. And now the teachers today are advocating it. So that's just my lifetime. And when I think about my parents and my grandparents, it was they were even more hardline about things as as we go back in history about not allowing things like that to go on. So I wanted to just bring that up um, because I think it's something that we need to think about um, in answering the call and not shrinking from you know the enduring to the end part of you know our walk with Christ. We are to be the salt and the light in the world, and we're supposed to be engaged. So, anybody have any thoughts on that? I think first to be engaged, as you're talking, Mm -hmm. my parents, my grandparents, you know, what we call a hard line, you know, strict, respect, you know, um, compassion, empathy. And in the school, my sons are 27, 24, and 21. And in school nowadays, it's a hard place to be for, for children. And so it is the parents' responsibility. And so it's what we practice. It's what we preach. It's what we we walk the walk. If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. So I think it starts with us as parents and grandparents and Mm -hmm. a close-knit family or community and enduring with them and and walking side-by-side with them. For sure. And it ties into the way God's order of things, you know, as far as the family unit um, and the importance of that, right? And keeping that together. And as that gets broke apart and turned into all the different types that we see now, those are all basically uh, perversions of what God would have it be. And um, we know that that's the way Satan moves along in the world is always, you know, just manipulating things and, and just tweaking things a little bit here and there. But it causes things to come off the rail when it comes to a relationship with God that's proper and in order. And so next generations come up, and they don't know that those are the right ways. But that also, as you said, it comes from the home, right? The parents' responsibility to raise their children in a godly home. Um, and that's, that's an important thing. So any other comments? Oh, okay. So um, let's talk about some different areas where long-suffering comes in. So the first two things that we read um, have to do with long-suffering with regards to being in suffering situations. Um, The next two that I have listed out are in fellowship with our brethren. So let's take a look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, if somebody would like to read that. And then we have Colossians 1, verses 10 to 12. Colossians 1, verses 10 to 12. 
Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Would you like to read that for us? Anybody? I therefore, the prisoner okay, thank of you. the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the, of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Through three. Right? Yes, sir. Yep. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Right, so in relationship to fellow Christians, our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So peace in the body, and uh, keeping the Holy Spirit alive in all of us. And Colossians 1, verses 10 to 12. Anybody have that for us? Colossians 1, verses 10 to 12. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Yeah. What do you guys think of that? Any thoughts? Okay, so long-suffering with regards to uh, our walk with God. Let's take a look at uh, James 5, verses 7 to 8. James 5, verses 7 to 8. Somebody like to read that for us? So be patient, brethren, and wait till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits expect. Is that the right one, seven and eight? Mm -hmm. Yes. As the farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land, see how he keeps up his patient vigil over it until it receives the early and late rains. So you also must be patient. Establish your hearts. Strengthen and confirm them in the final certainty, for the coming of the Lord is very near. Yep. And the King James Version has a little different phrasing. You have, um, and hath, uh, let's see, and for the precious fruit of the earth, and your version says, and after the waiting for the harvest, I think. Okay. What does yours say? The precious harvest from the land. And then right after that? He keeps up his patient vigil over it until it reaches the early and late rains. Okay, so, and um, King James says, and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. So, um, so once again, showing uh, long patience for it. It's a long suffering. And then Luke 8, verse uh, 15. Let's take a look at that.
Luke 8, verse 15. Yes, ma'am. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Mm -hmm. So persevering patience, right? Right. Yep. And in 2 Peter 3.9, and I'll go ahead and read that. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that the Lord is long-suffering. Um if not, we probably wouldn't have had eternal life. No. No. <laughs> it's been 2,000 years. Yep. Was, you know, For maybe sure. Maybe on the edge, I don't know. Yep. I am also glad. And I have seen some people that I think have long suffering, and that is people who take care of their mate or their friend or their child for years and years and years when they are unable to take care of themselves. And to me, that would be a real good description of long suffering. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and bear it in a nice way. Yeah. Like yeah, and having the positive attitude through it, right? Right. Yep. It's, that's a, a great example, Anne. Thank you. Uh, the next section I have put together is that there is no retaliation in long suffering. It is forbidden, which I thought was uh, an inter- interesting section of this study. So um, Leviticus uh, 19.18 says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So you're no grudge in your in your suffering. Proverbs twenty twenty two say, says, "Say not thou, I will re- recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and He shall save thee." Let's take a look at Proverbs twenty four twenty nine. Somebody would like to read that for us. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord. I will pay the man back for his deed. Yep. And then Matthew 5, verse 39. These are kind of short verses, so but I think they drive the point. Matthew 5, verse 39. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Yep. That one always got me. <laughs> That's a hard one. How can you do that in the face of genocide? Yeah. Ask any Israeli that today. Yeah. Or, you know, not even taking it out of the country. You can... You know, drive down to the Phoenix area and see these types of confrontations with people. Imagine those situations. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've often had to ponder that myself. Uh, Romans twelve seventeen. 
uh, says, Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. So, there we are again. And 1 Peter 3.9 says, Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise, blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Yeah. Way. The only way this is done, though, is through the Holy Spirit, right? In our flesh, we cannot do this. We would war against this all day long. Yes, ma'am. I have something to say about of that course. and a grudge, mm-hmm. not holding a grudge. Um, I heard something very interesting um, on TV um, a couple of weeks ago, and um, this woman was speaking and explaining that our holding a grudge affects our prayer life mm-hmm. and affects uh, blessings that we could be getting. Mm-hmm. And um, she has some sort of ministry, some Christian ministry, and she was speaking speaking with people that were um, having some sort of difficulty and she would say no you haven't forgiven somebody you haven't for-, and they would have to think and it would be like their ex-husband or something like that and so they had to um, come to terms with that confess that and and not hold a grudge because it was blocking their spiritual blessings mm-hmm. yeah it, it grieves the Holy Spirit right our fellowship that we're talking about here with the Holy Spirit that is indwelling within us, it wants all of these things to be clear communication paths, I think, um, for us to be able to have these things um, and, and exhibit them. So live in them and then also um, have them as blessings to us, but then also be able to spread that to those around us. And that's a really important thing. So holding a grudge... Um, I could see that creating some issues. You know, I have some people in my family um, that, man, they sure know how to hang on to stuff. We're talking decades and decades um, yeah. to the grave. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I don't have that side of me, um, but I think that with my relationship with God, I've been able to hand that over to him and just say, I don't want to fight it anymore. Just let it go. Um, and I think that's where freedom comes from with these things. It tells us we're not the judge. Right. And holding a grudge is saying, it's the same, you're a judge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you're making a judgment. <laughs> and it's more important to to have the peace and, and um, I think the, especially if it's a fellow believer, that the body is healthy, right? That the Holy Spirit is healthy within everybody. So if if we're infighting with one another, that's not going to happen. There's going to be division and things of that nature. And um, that's not what we're called to, to do or are called to be um, as a light in the world. So I think we have to be very cautious of that. But the world today seems to want to amplify that. They almost like they make TV shows that seem to be based around how to hold a grudge kind of content, you know, or how to be angry all the time or, you know, these different things. And um, that's all feeding into the flesh. And that's what we, we fight against. Um, as long as we're alive and, and kicking in this world, there's always going to be a battle between our old man, as the Bible says, and the new man. So the flesh and the regenerated person as it were and that battle never goes away um 
So by allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one in charge, then we don't have to fight against the flesh so much. I heard a preacher the other day say something that was interesting. He said there was a, I shared this in our morning Bible study as well, um, but there was a, a lady that was in, she was hospitalized and in bed for 20 plus years. I don't know exactly how long. And she was bedridden. She couldn't get up. She couldn't couldn't do anything. And he would go visit her, and he would ask her how she's doing, how things going. Um, and she always had a pretty good spirit about her. And um, he would say, you know, do you do you still do you still love Jesus? And he, and she would say, yep. And she says, and he says, so how do you handle things when you know things are, are tough on you? And and she smiled and she said, I just point to the door and say, there he is, Jesus, go get him. And I thought, wow, what a picture, right? She she can't get up and do anything, but when she when evil's coming in or the darkness of the flesh is showing up, she just tells Jesus, "Go take care of it," Amen. and it's done. And I, I thought, wow, what a picture that is for what we're talking about here, you know. So um, it's a battle that we all have, and it's it's common ground for us. So, any other comments, thoughts? Questions? No? Okay. So those are my notes on um, long suffering. So the next one is gentleness. So the word gentleness appears in four verses and four times in the King James Bible. I thought that was interesting. Four times in four verses. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 1, Now I, Paul, Myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2 7, the Bible says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So, what does it mean to be a, a gent- as gentle as a born again Bible believing Christian? Um, excuse me, what does it mean to be gentle as a uh, born-again Bible-believing Christian? What does it mean to be gentle if you're a militant Christian? Aren't we called to be good soldiers of Christ? We are to war good warfare, fight a good fight. Isn't our God a God of war? Isn't he a jealous God? Isn't he out to stamp, or isn't he out to stamp out the enemy? How in the world can a soldier be gentle? So back into my my brother's letter that I pointed out earlier, you know, the thought about that, how that balance. But the only way you can do that is to know who's in charge and what your orders are, right? If we're talking in a... Um, it kind of reminds me when you talk about gentleness. Yes, ma'am. When um, the rulers of the day brought the lady that they had found... Yes. In adultery. Yes. Didn't bring the man, but brought the woman. And but yes. more or less threw her at Jesus. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, they were his rulers, you know, the hierarchy, the priesthood, et cetera, et cetera. And what does he say when uh, he speaks to her in gentleness? Yeah. Uh, when she looks at him, he says, where your accusers he's already put them to shame right and they've left yep and he doesn't say and i know they're telling the truth right right no he didn't no 
he looked at her and he said simply, go and sin no more. Yep. That's gentleness. Yep, it is. That is gentleness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we know Jesus had, you know, shall we say a soldier side to him by other accounts that are in the Bible, right? But it's a measured response, knowing the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And also knowing, you know, who's in charge and at what level you can respond to things. So it's a really important thing to think about. So Webster's Dictionary says, uh, with regard to a definition of gentleness, uh, softness of manners, mildness of temper, sweetness of disposition, meekness. And once again, this type of gentleness, gentleness can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. So we, don't, we can't produce this out of our own flesh. Um, most of the time in the Bible, gentleness has to do with our speech. Let's take a look at uh, Titus 3, verses 1 to 2. Titus 3, verses 1 to 2. Somebody would read that for us, please. And then I've got James 3, verse 17. So who wants Titus 3, verses 1 to 2? Anybody? You want it? If you can find it? Okay. And then, so Devin will take that, and then who would like James 3, 17? Any volunteers? Okay, so we'll start with Titus 3, verse 1 to 2, and then James 3, verse 17. Titus 3, what? Verse 1 to 2. Okay. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Mm-hmm. Three, two? No, just uh, verse two. That's fine. Okay. And then James 3.17, please. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a good one. That's yep. a good one for today's world. For sure. I think the, the Amplified says this really well. It's, yes, please. It says, and to show unqualified courtesy toward everybody. Boy. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> unqualified. <laughs> they say a lot, a lot more than a blundering. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and there's a phrase in the in the King James version that is in James three seventeen. It says gentle and easy to be entreated, uh, which means approachable, right? So, is the example that I gave of you know my brother and in his experience um, when you're standing watch on a road and people are walking down the road or driving up in cars. You have to have a measured response with what that situation is, right? And you also, with the elderly people that were there, they felt like they could come up and talk to the soldiers. So they were approachable, right? They didn't feel fear in that situation. Um, That doesn't mean that there wasn't a hardness in that situation should it be called for. It's a measured response to a situation. And I think that we see that in Jesus' response in the Bible as well. Given certain situations, um, he would have different responses. Um, 
and they were they were based on what needed the outcome needed to happen in that situation. So, um, in in America, we used to raise boys to be young gentlemen. I can remember my my grandfather saying that to me. You know, it's important that you grow up to be a good gentleman. Um, so what does that mean, to be a gentleman? I never really thought about that until I was working through this study. I mean, I kind of did, but I think I had it in a worldly view. But in biblically, what does that mean? What do you guys think about that? The man who's gentle? But that sounds like a man who's weak. No, not at all. Right. It's a quality that women look for. Really I agree. In a man. I agree. Gentleness. Yep. At least my husband in 47 years certainly was. Yep. And strong in all kinds of other ways. Right. And ministering to the needs of others. But around me, his gentleness was. Right. I like to remember these things. That's good. Thank you, Brent. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in heaven now, girls. <laughs> <laughs> you have something? Oh, yeah. Um, meekness. I love that word. I just love that so much. And it's it's so difficult. So um, when I think of meekness, you think of like a power, me, I think of like a powerful horse. I heard this from somebody. Like, you know, they're powerful, but they're um, in control. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they're really in control of who's ever riding them. But I think, um, I think that's really difficult. It's so easy to lose your temper, yep. be impatient with people. But you think of like, um, even the Bible says you're not you're supposed to have anything to do with like angry people and people that are losing their temper. People are supposed to be meek. It's just it's just very, very difficult to to take your power and not just throw it around, but to to be kind and gentle, even though you're super powerful. Yep. It's difficult. Yeah, it it, it actually it takes humility. It's difficult. It does, and it actually I think, in my experience in life, if you have I was just dialing in on when you said power, right? If you're in a position where you're a manager or an owner or something of that nature in a business, your relationship with those that you're in charge of is really important and how you handle that situation. And my experience of my background, I've run crews of, you know, 25 to 35 technicians doing production work and how you have a relationship with them and work with them will dictate the way that they perform. Absolutely. It's amazing. Um, and whether or not they'll see something and fix it or just go, eh, it's not my problem. Let somebody else figure it out. Right? That's it, it, It's an attitude of gratitude that you actually sow into the crew because you serve the crew, in which case they serve you. So it's almost like a reciprocal thing. Right? And parenting too. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing to think about it in that manner. Um, so I've got some notes on this. So I'll go ahead and, and run those by you guys. Um, so this is what I had. It's it's similar to what you said, um, that it has nothing to do with being passive or effeminate or sissified or lethargic as far as being a gentleman. Uh, a gentleman gets the right training and especially gets the Holy Spirit of God to work in him so that when he reaches a certain age and at the right time, he has the liberty to be gentle without his manhood being threatened. He can be gentle because he is confident and confident inside. 
but young boys who think they have to be tough to prove how manly they are are insecure. So they haven't matured to the point of being a gentleman. It can only be conciliatory if they're strong. Yep. Otherwise, they're afraid to be yielding like that. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost a timidity, right? Or timidness, I guess, uh, would be a better phrasing of that. But, yeah, for sure. But it is also fruitful to watch, because I'm, I'm in the midst of that now, watching that maturity, mm-hmm. you know, coming with the young men that my husband and I are raising. And it's a beautiful thing. It, is. it truly is, because you go for that, I'm tough, I have to prove myself. And, you know, whether it's on the football field or right. whatever. Um, but the beauty of all of that coming together in maturity is yep. beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And to go with the gentleness is, again, you know, they need examples, whether you just have to be the example. Mm -hmm. If you're not, there's other things. Try not to be a bad one. (laughs) That would be, (laughs) (laughs) that are out there wanting to take that away, you know, so. For sure. Yeah, the world, I mean, through these devices right here, Mm -hmm. is trying to get everybody's attention 24-7, you know. Um, and it makes parenting so much harder, you know, I mean, um, it's time is just constantly being stolen away from people these days and I don't think they realize it. So anybody else have any comments? You know, when I was a child, if you asked me what a gentleman was, people would have said, well, somebody with good manners. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would have thought of, you know, somebody that, you know, opens the door, opens the door, but you know, has, has good manners. Well, you know, it's a lot more than that. It is. But uh, but like I say, I think, you know, because that's why I believed it as a child, it's still that's the first thing that comes to mind is somebody that's kind of polite. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and, I mean, and, you know, like I say, all these things are good because that really, you know, kind of expands it into other areas. And, you know, sure. maybe if you don't use the right fork when you're eating, that doesn't mean you're not a gentleman <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> those good manners that you're talking about. It's all part of we it. We were taught that it was a matter. It was discipline. Yep. It was discipline, and my mother used to use the expression that somebody's manners weren't a burden to them mm. if they were well behaved. Mm. Interesting. You know, because people who are only following good manners because they're being <coughs> forced, it's different. Yep. But that discipline that's put in there—that's a lot of it. Yep. We never addressed an adult without a title. Right. But. But it wasn't because it wasn't because we were going to get slapped around. We just were taught, and so it wouldn't even occur to us. Yeah, and I was—I mean, I was raised, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. That's yeah. the way it was. Yeah. Now I've had people like get upset for, with me for saying that to them. They—they—they're yeah. they, they, offended by that, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to offend my mom. So. I, you know, because that's my my mom ingrained that in. And they look at you and say, "Well, I'm not that old." Right Why are you or that? right. Well, <laughs> it's it's out of respect, and right? They're seldom older than I am. <laughs> right. So they look at me and say, "Well, why are you saying that to me?" I'm, you know, I could be your grandchild. Well, yeah, but that's just second nature. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just people being really sensitive these days too. People mm-hmm. they just seem to be looking for anything to kind of glom onto as far as. Getting upset gender, about something. Maybe yes, gender. Yeah, I'm waiting for that day. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. I expect it'll show up at some point, but well, should we just be true to ourselves? 
course. And what we're doing. Yeah, of course. Unapologetically. Yeah. You know, without excuses, but to. Yep. Well, we should. That, that's well, what the whole thing is about. And helpful. And I was um, at the liquor store the other day, and this woman was buying a whole bunch of bottles of um, alcohol and put them in a box, and she was getting ready to carry them out. And um, I'm standing in line. Can I help you? You know, can I get the door? Can I help you carry those out and whatnot? She's my age. She's like, oh no, I'm, I'm strong enough. But she stopped and she said. I cannot tell you the last time someone has asked or said something like that to me. Yeah. And I said, just then just pay it forward, right? We just have to be that example to yep. not be shy and express For sure. you know, yep. who we are. Yes, ma'am. I really like what, what you guys were saying about manners. Um, and then you think about what are manners? And that the, the point of them, I guess, is allegedly to make other people, to not offend other people, to not do anything that would really, to not do anything that would hurt other people. That's really what manners is about. If you think about it, it's mm-hmm. being considerate of other people. Yeah. And then just think of us as people. Like, we really have the power to hurt other people. Like, uh, say, my friend here and I, maybe she did something, this, this is not but suppose Carmen did something that bothered me well I mean I could just uh, go and say something and, and hurt her feelings but it would that didn't happen now. but it would take like a, it takes like a, a, a like a meekness it's manners because it would be rude to say something that hurts someone's feelings but it's also a meekness because how many times when we're offended, it's like you have that feeling in your body that you have to say something and you're going to just feel so much better. But when you don't say, say something, right, you, you're holding it back and it almost hurts a little bit, right? Because like sin is always about our feeling in our body. So I like what you said about the manners, how it goes along with really not hurting people and being meek. And not like when somebody offends you, not saying anything, let it go. It's like hurts in the body sometimes, right? But it's, I mean, it, it pays off in the end. We're supposed to be that way, but it, it's so difficult. It right? is. It is. But I also think that we, we have to temper that with being, you know, as, as you said, being true to yourself, right? Or true to who we are as Christians. So we need to be able to speak about these things oh, yeah. as well, but do it yeah. in love and in the right things. hand. Just like things. little silly things that people would do. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. even necessary. Right. I mean, you can take it, can't you? I mean, just a little thing. Like, right. You, can, you <laughs> yeah. don't have to say, you know, hurt people's feelings. And yep. we have the power to hurt people, don't oh, we? Oh, yeah. Our we time, really do. for sure. Yep. It's, a, it's. I mean, our flesh is, is wicked. That's what the Bible says. So, and, you know. Right. Disciplining children, like with the manners, which is teaching when they're really small they're not teaching that so much now and the classrooms are rife with lack of discipline yep. but God says discipline is to protect you not just others it protects you too well, yeah. because it keeps you from making those mistakes yes. and hurting yourself that's right that you're just going to feel bad about after and God says discipline is very important he wants you to be disciplined to his word because he knows that if you discipline to what he knows is best for you, you're protecting yourself right? Yep. against harm. Yeah, and the Bible speaks about the discipline of children. If you yeah. truly love your child, 
Yeah. You won't spare the rod. And he disciplines you know? us as children because he knows it's better for us. Yeah. And it protects you against, you know, you're saying you hurt somebody, you feel better about yeah, it. Yeah, you do. But, uh, you know, it, it's for your own, it's for your own good. Yeah, and it's outward though too, right? If you have a society where uh, people are polite and friendly mm-hmm. and, and cordial with one another and wanting to help one another, that all feeds outward, mm-hmm. right? It's like mm-hmm. you know, throwing a rock in a pond, mm-hmm. and that first ripple happens, and then you get the rings that go outward from that. That impacts things around. So if 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 everyone's home as a nucleus was raising their child to be in a godly environment, then those children would grow up, and they would have those values, and they would interact with other children with the same values. I mean, maybe different beliefs on some levels that would happen, but the core values would be there. Right. And you would actually end up with a society that is is stronger and more unified. Um, what we see today is the erosion of all of that. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear. Um, doesn't doesn't take a genius to see it um, at this point. But the Bible speaks that that's the way it's going to go as well. You know, there's it's a lot of people want things to you know want to believe things are going to get better, but the Bible says they are not going to get better. So if you believe your Bible. That's the way it's going to go. Um, but that's why it's so important that in our own personal walk that we have a solid relationship with God and keep that fellowship as tight as we can because that helps us endeavor and persevere through all these struggles of life. So, you know, I was talking with my wife this evening about the reality that our blessing as believers is that we get to have fellowship with God as believers every single day. That is our gift. And I, I mean, it's it's stunning when you think about it, mm-hmm. um, that we get to have that. And it didn't. we didn't do anything for it. We just accepted and we get it. Literally a free gift. But it's the most powerful gift you'll ever get in your life if you adhere to it. Meaning, know what it is, understand it, and have that right relationship. And it, it's, it's something that's... As I've been working through this study and some other studies that, that I've been doing with the church, um, it, it's hit me pretty heavy in different ways that it hasn't in the past. And, you know, I've been a believer for a number of decades now, but it's like, it's amazing to me how you can keep learning and seeing more and growing. And, you know, he'll just keep showing you things. Um, I'm just excited about it. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's a renewing, if you will, of excitement about things. So... Do you had something to say? Yeah, Sorry. I typed in manners. Yes. And got this gentle reminders for young men to keep in mind. And this is pretty well up to date, too, because the first thing is put your mobile device away <laughs> when you're with other people. Which, which you happen to be reading I, you in know, a room full of said, other people. You know, I thought that was kind of clever. First, make polite conversation, make eye contact. Mind your posture. Yeah. Be gracious and appreciative. Dress for your audience. Be well groomed and polish your table manners. Now, use the right fork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very I good. think it's a fork rather than your hand. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yep. All right. Yeah, those that are was... all the things that stand out nowadays. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what some... you've been talking about. It is exactly, and it's, you know, 
Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> so let's take a look at um, Proverbs 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. We're getting a little short on time here, but we'll see where we end up tonight. Does somebody like to read that for us, please? Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Ouch. Yeah. So this is a man with a gentle spirit. He can give a soft answer and calm things down. The opposite is a man who will stir things up and give a grievous answer that blows things up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So why, why is it human tendency, if somebody says something insulting to you, instead of saying a kind word, it, the tendency is to insult them back? Well, down in the South, they say a kind word, but they kind of, they kind of poke at you a little bit. They, they, they say, well, God bless you. You know, bless your heart. Yeah, yeah. But that's the flesh, right? That's a perfect example because it just comes right up. And, you know, having the temperance to keep it in control, the only way we get that is, is through the Holy Spirit living in us and following that guidance and knowing, hey, you're not going to do that and shut it down. Um. But that also means, as my mom used to say, zip it. Don't just let it come out. Think before you speak. And that was when I was in my teens. uh, Yeah. You know, no, did not at all. And, um, you know, it's something that we all just struggle with, though. You know, I mean, I used to think it was just me. I'm like, why do I keep doing that? You know, Um, but, you know, as I got older, I realized it's just part of growing up, right? I mean, maturing and, and understanding things. Um, I think previous generations probably picked it up a little sooner, but I think that's also because discipline was a little more, shall we say, hands-on than uh, during my time. Um, not to say that there wasn't hands-on during my time. I don't want to <laughs> misrepresent things. Um, but I just think that that harkens back, though, to you know what the Bible says, discipline if you love your child, you will discipline them. And obviously there's different types, but it even goes to the point of not sparing the rod, which we all know has to do with spankings, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I remember calling my dad and telling him how much I appreciated the spankings that I got when I was growing up. And he was like, what are you, who, you know, he was, and I just said, look, I never got one I, ne- I didn't earn because he always warned me. There's always two warnings, but the third warning was it. It was go time. And I didn't get that many spankings because I picked it up pretty quick. I learned how to, you know, quit doing what I was doing and these things. Um, But he was that way with all of us boys. Now, that was hard on my mom, but my dad said, you have to handle boys this way. If you don't, you know, it's going to be a problem. So, obviously, I, I do believe there's a difference in how you raise boys and girls and how you handle these things um i can't really speak to girls too much i was in a household full of all boys so all right fathers can't speak to them yeah well (laughs) there is that right we leave that to mom uh moms have different ways i think um god gives us trials i mean you know this discipline is just an mm -hmm. example of the trials yeah troubles and trials that god gives you are those gifts from god that nobody wants 
Yep. It's there to mature you. It's there, it's there to prune, absolutely, right, and chastise, re, repu, uh, uh, reproof and rebuke, um, for sure. Him, yep. But he says they're for your good. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember taking the belt away from my mom, and my mom looked at me, and she said, stay right there. And she closed the door, and she locked it, and I yeah. thought, this isn't good. And then dad just came, gave me a chill. Then dad came home. <laughs> and it was go time. And I'll, I'll just say he lit me up pretty good. Uh, it was the last spanking I ever got. You know, um, and it was it was just the way it was. Um, but that's the way things were handled in our home. Um, and, and, you know, people think today you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, so on and so forth. I think it's a measured response based on the child, and you have to handle that in different ways. Um, but... Being, being in a right position and a right standing with things with God allows us to know when to do that and how to have that measured response with things like we're talking about. So, um, it definitely takes a man to raise a man, in my opinion. And my husband would tell me, he says, "You know what, Carmen? If you think I'm going a little overboard, you're the mom. You're the woman. Of course, if you just let me yep. know." But it. It is a measured response and a balanced response, yeah. but I completely rely on my husband to raise, make men our, our sons, yep. and to you know, do what we need to do. Yep. Make good stories. For sure. So gentleness is easy to be entreated. In other words, it's easy to approach, right? So um, divine condescension. The gentleness of God makes us great. The gentleness of God makes us great. Great. Mm -hmm. So let's look at 2 Samuel 22, Mm -hmm. verses 33 to 36. 2 Samuel 22, verses 33 to 36. And then I've also got Psalms 18, verses 32 to 35. That's Psalm 18, 32 to 35. Would somebody like to read 2 Samuel 22, 33 to 36? Anybody? 2 Samuel 22, 33 to 36. Sure. Thank you. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You get, you give me your shield of victory. You stoop down to make me great. Through 36? Yep. Okay. Yes, please. Yep. All of those strong things come from you know who. Yep. <laughs> yep. But notice the verbiage too, right? He, um, he teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. So that's where his, the strength is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. So it's that temperance, mm-hmm. right? So strength under power, meekness, as we're referring to. And then Psalm 18, verses 32 to 35. Does somebody have that for us? Psalm 18, verses 32 to 35. I can read it. Okay, thank you. God, he clothes me with strength, 
and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me securely on the heights. He trains my hands for war. My arms can bend. Can we just read that? Mm -hmm. oh. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand upholds me, and your humility exalts me. Right. So we've got Psalm 18, 32 to 35, and 2 Samuel quoting each other, which is pretty interesting. Pretty, and there's a couple couple differences in the verbiages between the two, but it, you know, um, they're basically a parallel of each other, as it were. So we see the power of God in these verses and his ability to make us strong and teach us to war with our hands. And through his gentleness, he makes us great. Now, we're talking about spiritual warfare, okay? Just so we keep context correct here. Um, and I think that's something that we have to remember because our enemy is in the spiritual realm as believers. And it's constantly wanting to feed our flesh, the flesh side of us versus our spiritual side. And that's, that's the battle that goes on with us as believers. So... With that, we're out of time for tonight, or with the end of time anyway. So, um, anybody ever have any, have any other thoughts or comments? Yes, sir. I have one that has nothing to do with this. Okay. But, uh, I, an evangelist once said this, and he said, uh, Imagine you're walking alone in a dark alley, and you met four young men. How would you feel? And how would you feel if they, you knew they just left a Bible, Bible study? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Differently. <laughs> yeah, you immediately had one thought and then another, right? Yep. It's an interesting way of looking at things, for sure. Do we have any word on past our pastor and his wife are ill? That's oh. why they're not here tonight. Do we have any oh, updates? No, I'm just sitting in. So, oh. yeah. I'm sorry. Is there any updates? I don't know. Do better. <laughs> Kathy took him some soup, but I. That was at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't heard anything either. So, they've been pretty quiet. I saw a couple text messages, um, but I haven't I haven't had any responses of anything. She so. offered to take him the soup last night, and Dana said, "I don't know if I can eat anything yet." So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not COVID. No, he doesn't think so. He thinks it's just a bug of some kind. But you got to remember, they just put in what two thousand miles worth of driving. In yep. Two weeks. Drive back from Missouri. Different time zones, different uh, climate zones, everything. So. Yep. All right. Shall we wrap it up? All right. Dude, will you close this out in prayer, please? Thank you. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for being with Brent as he has prepared these lessons for us, Lord. Be with our our two guests. So thank you for bringing them to our church, Amen. to our class this evening. Uh, be with them, guide and protect them, keep them from harm's way as they continue to travel. Lord, we just, uh, again, thank you. Be with the pastor and, and Sandy and, and heal them as only you can in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, guys.